Hello and welcome to the Courageous Influence talk show where we have courageous conversations that help build people of courageous influence. I'm your host, Alex Cutterford, and I'm joined by my mate and pastor, Caleb Dwyer. G'day, mate. How are you, Caleb? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very good. Now, we have a very special guest with us this morning. We do We indeed. have Zach Sargent from Generosity Zachary. Church Dubbo. How are you, mate? Hey, good. Thank you. You excited to be with us? Oh, over the moon. <laughs> we can tell. We can tell the energies is vibing from Dubbo at the moment. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us, mate. Oh, my pleasure. Um, now, we'll try not to be um, too cruel to you today, but I will just let you know, I was uh, on the phone with um, your little protege, Malachi Dutsky, this morning. Mm. We pray with each other on a Thursday morning, and I was also just trying to get any goss that he had. Uh, now, he, he didn't really have any dirt to spill on you, but I did say any time between 7 and 8, you can text me. So, who uh, knows what questions yeah. might come flying through from now? No, he'll forget. <laughs> <laughs> very confident. Now nah, I've worked with that guy for long enough. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, now, I thought, Caleb, let's jump straight into some fails, I reckon. Mm. Have you had any fails this week? I, I have. Um, oh, I had a bunch of them. It's, it's been just, you know, that little season where it feels like nothing's quite working? Yeah. But one of them was a little bit embarrassing. Uh, I think it was last weekend, maybe the weekend before. Um, had my family stay over on the new ranch for the yep. weekend and uh, the primary goal was for myself and my nephew to do some motorbike riding yeah uh, which we did um my two nephews um and i overestimated you know their experience and my ability to teach <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a number of occasions got them into some pretty precarious situations yeah, but no, you'll be right we got out <laughs> um we have a very undulating property some incredible gullies, good fun riding, but it's hard work and, you know, certainly not beginner sort of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, we had fun on the Saturday and then Sunday morning, um, one of my nephews, Isaac and myself, decided let's go for another ride, squeeze in as much fun as we can. And, um, you know, his father happens to be um, Pastor Ben. He was in on the conversation. He's like, yeah, no worries, just be back for church. And I'm like, of course we will. And as we're leaving, I said to Pastor Libby, we'll be back for church. Uh <laughs> We weren't back for church. <laughs> <laughs> Beauty of online. <laughs> we, um, yeah, I, I, there was at least, there was 45 minutes still before we had to be back. Yeah. And I'm like, do you reckon you can go down there, mate? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know. He goes, yeah, 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 it'll be fine. I went, yeah, you know what? I'll get him down there. And even if he can't get out, I'll get him out. <laughs> it'll be fine. So took him down there, had fun. Coming back out, I realised, oh, boy, this is even a little bit beyond me. So I just floored it. Went like a bat out of hell. It's no levels of skill got me out of there. I was just holding onto my bike, Grand. flying up this gully. <laughs> just the biggest adrenaline rush. I got up the top and I was like, Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh no, he was like still down there. <laughs> Eventually got him out. But by the time we got him out, we had to stop and start and rev his bike that many times. His radiator blew up. <laughs> so <laughs> then we had to push his motorbike. Uh, it awesome. was... It was a fail. So you won fun uncle points but lost points with everyone else. So in terms of being a, oh, like, far out, I'm a pastor, I'm an uncle, and I just took this kid and helped him miss church. <laughs> <laughs> fail. <laughs> and break his bike. <laughs> and break <Yeah>. his bike. <laughs> You'll be right to fix that one. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> I hope you've been saving. Um, mate, that's a great fail. Um, Sounds pretty typical of your behaviour, trying to bite <laughs> off more than you can chew, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts a little. You know me well. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll follow up with our fail uh, for the week. So we've been, we've been um, putting an offer in on a block this week. So Ooh. we've been saving all year. And so uh, we went and met with our broker. We are feeling comfortable. All right, yeah, we should be right to um, make an offer on this block. Uh, they were asking, so it's a block out in Blaney. Mm -hmm. They were asking 127000 for the block. Um, and so we went, all right, yep, let's apply for it. Let's offer 110. Um, and then, so we've put in the offer of 110. They've come back with an offer of 120. And we went, sweet, all right, let's brought it down. We know what we're dealing with now. Uh, let's offer 116 and um, see what comes of that. <laughs> Comes back 125. Oh, no. <laughs> well, 
what's going on? We're trying to work out. It's like, oh, like, without thinking, like, were they, like, offended that we had another offer? We're trying to work out what's going on. Melissa calls the agent and says, sorry, we've got a lot of language barriers with the client and all this. And we're like, what's that got to do with the offer? And we're like, go, go for it. And then turns out... <laughs> It wasn't the owner that made the offer. It was the son of the owner. Oh, no. <laughs> because he does a lot. I think she deals with him because of the language barrier. Uh-huh. And so he's heard us come 110. All right, yeah, offer him 120. <laughs> She's gone, all right. Took that offer, brought it back to us. <laughs> Turns out the dad found out. And was like, what? I'm not taking any less than 125. Oh, wow. So then, yeah, so we we're... Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a roller coaster yesterday. All the back and forth. Melissa's texting me what's going on. <laughs> you would have so thought they were offended by you lowballing or something, and then that's it. You're yeah. punished with the five grand yeah. up, up <laughs> fee. Because we're this kind of like, all right, well, we can't go lower than one twenty now, or like higher. Doesn't it really sound like that was your fail? No, nah, I, I guess it's not. But um, <laughs> it was a fail of a situation. Mm. <laughs> um, right, you, Zach, any fails? Or are you just sliding on through? Oh, just generally win at life. <laughs> uh, but um, I you were going to say genuinely we, fail. We went out to um, Ningen a couple of weekends ago just to see some friends who were camping out there, and uh, me and the guys decided to go and play golf at the Ningen Golf Course, um, which that was my first surprise was that there was a Ningen Golf Course. Um, <laughs> but then when you're out there, you sort of well, there's been a fair bit of rain out this out this way in the last little while, so you're expecting like a bit of green it was still just dirt like the greens were black so it's like black soil that's been raked like one by one of those sort of um like dudes um and uh yeah every like there was just you know when you're like so bit of background i'm absolutely horrendous at the game of golf and so i like to rely a lot on my dress and my, uh, you got to look the part. Golf's ninety percent looking the part, but then also, I like to rely a lot on the fact of like I'm just really enjoying being out here, like in God's good earth. Um, but then wasn't able to dress well. I was wearing a uh, Dubbo Ruse um, training jersey, which was two sizes too small for me. <laughs> and, uh, That's a good golfing <laughs> look right there. Oh, I'm imagining it. Um, wearing some tracky dacks and <laughs> my uh, runners. So I was not looking the part and the golf course was certainly not looking the part. So And uh, my golfing game by no means uh, was advantaged by that situation. <laughs> so it was just a, just a rough day all around, really. Oh, that so, is brilliant. Yeah. But the good news is they obviously let you on the course dressed like that. So It was the best dress there. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't well, have any like, locket looks. I did wear a collared shirt, so I had to yeah, borrow yeah. One, one from the boys. But then when we got out there, I was like, oh, I don't think the collared shirt rule applies out here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, if you're allowed to wear trackies, surely they're not too worried about a collared shirt. <laughs> <laughs> collared shirt and trackies. Oh, that kangaroo brilliant. doesn't have a collared shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I'm picturing it right now. Chest hair, this <laughs> coming out of everywhere. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, well, we might um, shift gears from the ridiculous into. Um, we were keen to chat with you a bit, Zach, just around. Yes, your journey into. Um, you've been really deep diving into um, theology and and really grappling with that, and it's been really cool to see. And we just thought you'd be a cool person to get on the show and just really um, have a great conversation around some of that stuff. And um, Yeah, so I was just keen to kick it off with, like, what's the motivation behind you wanting to really deep dive into some of that more uh, reformed theology and, and things like that? Um, it probably wasn't necessarily a desire to jump into reformed theology. I think I just happened to stumble across that in my desire to grow deeper in my understanding of who God is and the Bible. Um, And what I really appreciate, especially about that particular field, I guess, is that um, one of their big um, sort of catch cries is the authority of Scripture or Mm -hmm. sola scriptura from like the old school solas. Um, And so that really grabbed my attention 
Uh, so in my mind, I'm like, all right, well, if, if the word of God is the word of God um, and God is God, then his word must mean like not just something, but almost mean everything. Um, and so, and, and I'm not trying to say that it's the only thing we can learn from, but I think it should definitely be the primary thing we learn from, right. um, especially in our knowledge of who God is and who I am in God. Mm. Um, and so there, maybe, maybe what drew me more so into that, uh, that perspective on theology was that um, the way that they held so tightly to that um, because of their reason for it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's probably what really kicked me off down that road. Um, and I've really been enjoying it. And what's been great lately, uh, like pretty much, it pretty much coincided with the start of this year, I think, um, was starting to look outside of that bubble, maybe, um, and allow some other perspectives to come in and sort of just tap on a few things that I might have become really convinced of through this bubble. But I'm like, all right, well, if there's this other perspective out there, does that other perspective hold up and is it helpful? Mm. Um, So just being sort of, yeah, engaging uh, with a bit of that as well recently. Did you find that difficult to sort of, after deep diving into that stuff, to then sort of pull yourself back a bit and let those other things be coming in? Yeah, I think what I, the first thing I struggled with was holding the Reformed perspective, for example, as if it was the authority, as opposed to Scripture being the authority. Um, So you have these other perspectives come in, and instead of measuring them against, like, the canon of Scripture or the measuring rod of Scripture... I'm measuring them against uh, the Reformed perspective on things. Um, And so uh, I wrestled a little bit with that. And I think when I realized that was what I was doing, I was like, oh, okay, what I need to do is just, I need to take these other perspectives that I'm jumping into now. I need to actually take them to the Word of God and do my own work there before going to try and find a Reformed perspective to counter it or complement it. Right. So that's one of the things I love about your approach, Zach, and, uh, you're certainly someone I have really enjoy having great conversations with, and if there's something I'm wrestling with, one of my go-to people to bounce it off. Uh, you seem to be more interested and more in love with the Word of God and discovering God than belonging to a tribe. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> and how do you do? You find that that is a comfortable place to be, or does that sometimes? an uncomfortable place to be or do you find that there's a growing number of people that want to live in that place and and even in our movement where maybe there would have been a time where people just wouldn't even open a reform book because uh, mm. in a really unfair um, and judgmental way we'll just make a, a bunch of assumptions about the people that have written it but we need to be reading that stuff and yeah. how do you find that wrestle is it, is it a comfortable place have you got people that are willing to go on that journey with you or do you find that it's an uncomfortable place to live no I find that there's there's a good number of people who are uh, more than comfortable to, I guess, sort of dance between those different perspectives. Um, it can be uncomfortable, I think, at first. Like, you know, when you become used to your way of doing things or you become convinced of a particular perspective on something and then you have somebody bring in a perspective that doesn't fit mm. um, and you, your options there are to just ignore it and throw it away and not even bother with it or you can do some hard work and wrestle with it. And you might be, you might be a bit uncomfortable at first, um, but usually you're going to come away either going, well, actually uh, that new perspective doesn't actually measure up to what I'm convinced of through scripture. So it's, if anything, it's actually helped me become more convinced of what I do believe from scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're never going to go wrong with just wrestling with something that somebody else brings. Like, um, but there I, has I, to be I a humility in that, doesn't there, Zach? Like, I can, you know, that your fundamental driving force is not is humility, not to be right. Yeah. Like, you, it, it's it's yeah. a it's a desire for knowledge and to know God, not to be right about God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and it probably confronts whether you've put your identity in the theology that you're forming 
um, and in the actual knowledge of it rather than the pursuit of God. Because, you know, yep. the reason that you clamp down and lock to a, a theology or a, an idea that you've built is because you've, you've tied, your identity started to tie into it. And yeah. if they poke that thought, they're actually poking the depths of you when actually that stuff shouldn't be what's shaping your identity as a person because we need to keep growing and changing and there's going to be things that we think are true that start to take a different shape as we grow and mm. um, progress through yeah. our faith and, yeah. and all of that. So I think, I think maybe one of the best places to um, acknowledge that is in your own history. Like if, if you're able to look back on your theological perspectives five years ago, uh, like how many of those haven't progressed or haven't been changed or chipped away at? Um, well, I know for myself, like there is stuff that I was convinced of and preaching five years ago that like today, Zach would backhand that bloke for. Mm. Um, <laughs> like it, um, you should be, you should be growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think one of the best places to realize that it, it's actually dangerous to um, anchor yourself in your own theological uh, like bubble almost. Like I'm just going to, I'm comfortable with this, so I'm going to sit here and stay here and I'm not going to let anything else come and shake that or um, poke at it. Um, I think that's one of the most dangerous places to be because you just become convinced that you're right. Yeah. Um, and now you're working out of pride, not humility, like Caleb was just saying a moment ago. Mm. Yeah. And yet we've got to balance that, don't we, with it at the same time. There are there are some in, in the world we live at the moment, it's it's almost like we've made a virtue out of doubting everything. And it's mm. like <laughs> I, I'm there's certain things about God that I'm just not even interested in doubting. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. Um yeah, because it's interesting for me. I so I'm typically a bit of a doubting person. And so I find myself very drawn to dogmatic thinkers mm-hmm. um, and, the, and people that are very um, just really convinced of their perspective. Does that create a sense yep. of safety for you? Because yeah, I think, be I, think I just find a track and it draws me into it because I'm very much, because I know that in myself, I'm very leadable. Like mm-hmm. I, I very much want to be led um, into things. So... Um, and that's, I think, one of the things, especially in Reformed, um, people that are very strong in that Reformed theology area are generally are very convinced of what they're speaking because they feel the weight of, I, this isn't about me, this is about the authority of the Scriptures. Mm. And, and whether or not that is sometimes off kilter, you know, that's really down to them and God. Um, but so I can... I can be, I can really find myself drawn to them. But something I had to do and learn was, okay, if I like listening to dogmatic thinkers, I need to make sure I'm listening to a lot of different thoughts and people with very different perspectives. And so it's funny, like I'll really love like all these guys that have really strong and sometimes either opposing or just completely different views on the world. No, I just love them all. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but it's I'm very drawn to that when you to be able to listen to someone that's convinced of what they're speaking, and I think when you've really got your theology anchored in, I truly believe this is what the scriptures are speaking to me. That allows that conviction to really come through um, and flourish. So mm. it's it's a great pursuit to go on. Do you think charisma is different to conviction? Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. And I think big well, one way I would I would look at that is um, a, the true conviction generally lasts, mm. you know, and it lasts in trial. It lasts in opposition. It lasts when that thought or that opinion is no longer popular, because I have a conviction about it in my spirit. Uh, whereas charisma will be very quickly pushed by the winds of popularity. And 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 the changing thoughts of the moment, yeah. and so I, I think that's one of the reasons that we have to, especially coming out of um, the movement that you know we are, that we have to actually honour and respect rather than just knock up reformed. You know, the Reformation was one of the greatest things that's happened to the church. Mm. Let's respect this tradition. Let's learn from it, um, and, and it, it continues to inform and strengthen the church today. Mm. And so 
we have there has to be a level of humility and respect um, that we bring to this approach. And so, yeah, I think that's a great question, producer. But that would be one of the things I would say is that charisma goes with yeah. the winds. And charisma is a surface level. So charisma sounds good. And so you could have charisma and conviction mm. because you have a conviction of saying and you also have the charisma to verbalise it in an attractive way. Mm. Uh, but you could have charisma but lack conviction. Yeah. And um, it will appear in the short term that they've got conviction. Yeah. Um. Mm. Mm. That's good. Um, so, Zach... From your perspective, and as like you know, we're a part of a Pentecostal church. Are there is there anything that you sort of? Uh, feel sorry, Zach. Sorry to keep you from your text messages, there, <laughs> yeah, mate. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to interrupt your text messages with our podcast. <laughs> was, it, was that Malachi? Um, we're very important person. Is that, is that <laughs> Malachi texting you? Uh, saying, uh, no, actually. Alex wanted me to dish goss on you, but I'm going to dish it on Alex. That was Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Zach's one-year-old. Where are you, Dad? <laughs> uh, I reckon if any any um, couple would breed a one-year-old smart enough to text, it'd be Zach and Anna. <laughs> <laughs> Props. We should have her on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. What I was saying was, uh, is there any areas, I guess, of the – Pentecostal church abroad that you would love to see elevated more or more promoted within our sort of circles that we're often running in? Sorry, do you mean like there are areas of Pentecostal theology that I would like to see elevated yeah, within our well, Yeah, whether our in theology or teaching and yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really... Um, am convinced of what we see in uh, like Paul's teaching in Corinthians about spiritual gifts. Um, so in other words, I'm trying to say, I really think that spiritual gifts are for today um, and are extremely necessary for the building up of the local church. Um, and, I wonder if I wonder if a part of what we're seeing in the in the lack of it in our church comes from maybe an overly experiential uh, reliance on like sorry an over an over reliance on the experiential side of it and not a solid enough grasp of the theological um, understanding of it and, and what's being spoken to us what's being gifted to us um, and like God's good, healthy parameters for that to actually be upbuilding in the local church. Yeah. Um, and so I, I even know for, for myself and here in Dubbo, uh, which, which Dubbo has always had a, a bit of a reputation for being, uh, you know, quite heavily prophetic and, um, and moving in that sort of thing. And uh, what I, what I love to see is when we can couple the the desire for that gift and and seeing God work strongly through it with a great, great ability to teach how and why God is using it and moving through it yeah. um, instead of, and so instead of our experience being the authority on what our theology is, our theology from scripture becomes the authority um, it teaches us how God gave it, it teaches us why God gave it, and it teaches us. Um, how the Spirit of God wants to utilize it mm. in His people, for His people, for His glory. Yeah, um, and that's that's probably something that I would love to see happen right across the board. Um, more so for our church, I think. Like we, uh, our church is, uh, I guess, wrestling with some of those conversations right now. Mm. Um, and I think it's a. I I'm actually extremely excited about the fact that we're wrestling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. I'm not. I'm not even super concerned right now. Of like, well, are we right? It's just. It's just the fact that we are willing to have the wrestle. Like, we're we're not just going to go blindly into it based on what we've done ten yeah. years ago, yeah. um, or what experience taught us ten years ago. But yeah, we're actually like, wrestling with what Scripture says. Absolutely, it's showing an engage. Like, because that's like at the end of the day, like for you guys as pastors, all that you can do is work with engaged people. And so mm. if people are wrestling, that means they're engaged with the process of growth and pursuing faith and pursuing God. And so um, a wrestle this shows that people are engaged with the process and 
Um, yeah. That's all you guys can really hope for. Hey, what's some of the things that you're sort of hoping, what are you trying to do to sort of, um, I guess, build that and see that coming through? Do you mean in that particular oh, I, guess, I guess that's within, you, within you know, your leadership of, of your church. Yeah, right. Um, well, uh, definitely been trying to resource some of the folk in our church who uh, might uh, be more inclined that way. So we've got a, a good handful of people here in Dubbo that uh, really feel called to prophesy or to be prophetic or to um, uh, you know, sort of be, I guess, leading the charge in those spiritual gifts in the church. Yeah. And the last thing I want to do is uh, sort of just crush them under this weight of, well, go and figure out what the Bible says and like then you can have a crack at it. Um, what I want to do as their pastor is resource them with things that I think are going to be helpful because I want to encourage it. Like I want to, I don't, yeah, I don't in any, way, in any way want to put a lid on it. I actually want to encourage it. And I think the best place to encourage it from is from our understanding. Mm. We can get our understanding firm on it and, and healthy. Mm. Um, then the, our working of it is going to be God glorifying right. and yeah. church upbuilding. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm keen to, resource people through different books um i've i uh, did a what it ended up being a four-week series on the gifts of the spirit in our church a few months like well a few months before covid um and so i've been yeah been able to send those notes out to a few people yeah. who weren't able to be a part of those sermons to help them there um then also just having the conversations like when when people are asking me about uh like how can they go about prophecy or whatever it is, like actually having those conversations and um, and be willing to yeah, engage people, as you said before. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Sort of just like don't try and skip ahead, hey, to an mm. experience. Mm. Strip it back, pull it back, yeah. build yourself, build your knowledge of God, build your understanding of uh, what the Bible's actually taught about those things and allow God to work with you through that process and then you can carry that conviction, hey. It's like... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. skip to an experience because that's when it becomes shallow and, yeah. And I think you're going to err one way or the other, aren't you? If you've had great experiences, you're going to open yourself up to, oh, let's just keep running yeah. without yeah. checking it against the guideline of Scripture mm. or the opposite where some of us have had some pretty interesting experiences and so mm. then you just shut the door to it mm. instead yeah. of going, well, hang on, like Zach says, it is useful for the body, mm. but yeah. let's take our time. And I think... That's the heart of a teacher, isn't it? To just breathe. And and, and I love, uh, Zach, what you're talking about here, the idea that as a teacher, what you're interested in in Scripture is also uh, teaching that's going to inform us how to be the church today. And, and it's where sort of theological concepts and our daily life and our engagement in the world around us collide and... and mm. That can be a really challenging place because people's emotions and opinions do get involved. Mm. And yet also it's the place that a courageous teacher does sit, I think, mm. because that's what the church is calling out for. That's where we need guidance. We don't need necessarily mm. answers to questions we were asking 45 years ago. We've got questions for today that need answering and need addressing from yeah. Scripture. Mm. Yeah. That's really and maybe, like, maybe on that point of gifts of the Spirit, like, uh, my experience was that I'd, I'd pretty much only had negative experiences with it. Um, mm. So I'd, I'd really only experienced people abusing it, um, using it for grandstanding and all that sort of stuff, um, not really genuinely helping and edifying people. And so in a large way, I sort of shut it down in myself um, and probably even uh, because I'd done that, probably a lot of the ways that I was teaching and trying to help our church um i was also maybe not consciously but i was shutting it down simply because i wasn't building into it i wasn't encouraging it um but then it was going to scripture and seeing especially um from paul just how you know biblical it is for today um like we've obviously got the um that difference between someone who's a cessationist which they do not believe that the gifts of the spirit are for today and then you've got a continuationist which is somebody who does believe that they are for today 
Um, and I was probably leaning more towards that cessationism, um, more based out of experience than what I was convinced of through Scripture. Mm. Um, but then going back to Scripture, being convinced of what we see in Scripture, I just I come away from it going, I I can't see a good reason for why the gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. Mm. Um, and if the purpose of them is to build up the body of Christ, then I kind of think, well, really we should try to be doing everything to prove why we do need them and why they are good and still useful for mm. today. Yeah. Um, and that's where I landed um, from Scripture. And so now I'm trying to, um, I guess, help our congregation uh, be inspired and encouraged and upbuilt through the Word to express those gifts in the local church. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Brilliant. Um, Caleb, do we want to jump into our life lessons? Life lessons. Mm. Why not? <laughs> have you got a life lesson for us today? I do have a life lesson for today. Often we think God's presence is provided to fix our problem, but often he's there to fix our perspective. Mm-hmm. Expand. Well, <laughs> uh, often, I think especially if we stop and imagine if someone secretly recorded our prayer life, how often would we be praying, God, change this, change mm-hmm. the external, instead of, you know, repentance is so much about changing the way we think. Mm. Uh, you know, God, I don't, I don't want to think out of my flesh. I don't want to think just from a human perspective around this. I want to see this how you see it. Mm. Um, you know, I've even been thinking a lot lately around um, on a shame society because we've been sitting in the Gospels and that's one of the frames you've got to constantly keep in your mind as you read the Gospels and some of the questions were not because the people wanted an answer but because they wanted to try and shame Jesus and by shaming him elevate themselves and we live in a society, especially with social media, I think we're, the West has always been different to that, but we're actually starting to move a bit towards mm. that on a shame thing where we mm. publicly shame people really quickly and, and that can be really confronting. And so my natural perspective is, oh, stop me from ever feeling shame. Mm. But actually what if, what if there are times when um, what we should be praying is like, like Paul said, like even even in the persecution, I want to rejoice. Mm. Like I want to change my, uh, I don't want to be afraid. I realize that, and f- and for other cultures, you know, people have been shunned and shamed for turning to Jesus for a long time. Mm. And if we don't admit and actually have a good articulation uh, to admit to people that yeah, you know what, there is a cost. There is a cost, and sometimes it'll be that you have to stand out and feel mm. a bit embarrassed. There is a cost in following Jesus. And if we don't admit that and then begin to pray, God, change my perspective on that. Help me do that well. Help me not to get defensive in that moment. Help me out of my shame not to lash out and try and shame someone else so I don't feel shamed. Mm. Help me not to become vicious in those moments and, and become derogatory to the people that are causing me shame. How, how do you change my perspective in that, God, rather than fix it? Because actually... Uh, that's a, a situation, circumstance that God's not going to fix this side yeah. of eternity. Yeah, it's interesting. I was actually thinking of a similar line of thought around that on our drive over this morning, um, just around how like we can't base our faith in the pursuit of pleasure and just the benefits of faith because I was just thinking about some of the real, I guess, powerhouse figures of faith, you know, today. And, you know, someone like Todd White, who's like an evangelist, uh, who has seen this, would have this had a million, like you couldn't fill all the books up with all the stories of miracles that he's seen and things like that. But I was just thinking about it. But like you look at that and you can easily just think, oh, his life's just been out of this world amazing um, and just insane and what a, a, a pleasure to get to see that many miracles and and so many times God coming through but I was just like imagine the loneliness that you'd feel as someone like that who all you're all over the world you're going into the darkest places of society you're like you haven't got really anyone like to look to for an example of the life you're trying to live right now um, because it's just so radically different um, he hasn't based his life in this the pleasure of um, you know, 
amazing things, there's just all this cost underneath mm. that may never get seen. And so if you our culture is so driven by the pursuit of pleasure that if you get yeah, if you get drawn into that, um, yeah. You're gonna be very disillusioned. Right. Mm. And we need to be honest and upfront about that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so can I just ask the producer, can we make sure that occasionally when we edit this clip that we, we do cut to Zach stroking his beard, oh yeah. looking very pensive <laughs> and intelligent. Mm. That'd be good. Mm. Thank you. Especially when I'm speaking. If you could have me speaking and Zach going, mm, I concur. Um, <laughs> that'd be <laughs> awesome. If you could Photoshop a beard onto my face so that I fit in with these guys, <laughs> that'd be great also. Thanks, producer. <laughs> You're welcome. Watch us show up with beards, this majestic to our table. Um, yeah, so my – well, I haven't got so much a life lesson today as I do a list of some questions that people can be asking themselves um, when they're thinking about this idea. This is the Courageous Influence talk show. So, yeah. And something that I had really been grappling with was what are some of the questions I need to be asking myself around influence and mm-hmm. my pursuit of having influence. Um, and Maybe so we could call this session, this uh, new section, a session of introspection. Oh, I can't <laughs> even say that. I would get tongue-tied. <laughs> um, so the first question is why. So why do I want to speak and have influence or lead? Uh, and why would people listen to me? Mm-hmm. Um, what? So what do I have to say? And what are people actually looking for? Um, how do I want to say it? And how do people want to consume it? Mm-hmm. Uh, authority. Where do I currently have authority? And where do I want to have authority? Uh, where do I trust? Uh, where do I have trust? So from others. And where do I have to build trust from others? Uh, and where am I known? And where do I want to be known? Uh, and what skills do I have? And what skills do I need? And so if there's someone out there that's grappling with the idea of influence and like they're sort of like, I want to have influence, I want to lead or I, I want to preach or I want to do this, I think there's some great questions to really be asking yourself because that helps you get to, okay, where am I currently at? Um, what are my current strengths? What are my giftings? What are my callings? Um, and then what are, and also you always got to be asking like where are others at mm. because if you want to have influence in other people's lives you don't just get to take into consideration yourself mm. you always have to be looking at the people that you're hoping to lead and influence and where are they at what are they feeling what are they thinking what are they grappling with uh, what do they feel they need right now not that you're always looking to this fill someone's felt needs but you need to understand what they're feeling so that you can connect and mm. relate and learn how to, where do they help need help correcting and where can you validate and all of that stuff. So That's great. Um, yeah, that's just some good thoughts and questions to be asking yourself if you're thinking through how do I have influence and grow my influence, um, especially as a Christian believer. Nice. Mm. Um, Luke, have you... Luke. Zach Sargent. <laughs> it's because I'm thinking of the Gospel of Luke. Um, have you got a life lesson for us? Uh, I do. I thought because I'm sort of coined the Bible guy, I'll have a Bible life lesson for us. <laughs> wow, um, so spiritual. down. Better than Pinterest. <laughs> I'm not even on Pinterest. <laughs> uh, which is learn to read the Bible literally, not literally. Ooh. Boom. Mm. Some parts are literal, though, aren't they? They are, but you'll pick that up if you're reading it literally. Oh. oh. Um, so lit- literally, <laughs> literally, literally, literally. Yep. Can you expand on that a little bit for um for us guys without beards to stroke? <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. So, well, Caleb sort of touched on it just then, like. Mm. Um, one one quick example is that you've got to appreciate the multiple genres throughout Scripture and even the the way that some authors within a particular book switch between different genres. Mm. Um, and so if you're not paying attention to genre, you'll uh, possibly uh, get yourself in a bit of a sticky situation where you're taking something which is meant to be quite sort of metaphoric and prophetic type language and you've applied it literally 
Um, and so now you're looking for things that actually aren't there. Um, yeah. And it's become unhelpful now because you've missed what's actually being talked about. Mm. Um, and so if we can educate ourselves on you know, the different genres of scripture, on uh, the different backgrounds and audiences, the historical contexts that uh, certain books or letters are written into, mm. um, that's where you're able to grab the, the bigger picture and, um, and understand like why they're saying things in certain ways or um, why they're using metaphorical language to explain something. Uh, I think the Psalms is a brilliant place for that. Like you've got you've got Psalms that are almost 100% pure metaphor and just poetry and song, mm. and then you've got some Psalms which are uh, almost like um, the like just pure wisdom. Um, so it's almost like mm. just a, another proverb type thing. Yeah. Um, and so if you can if you can delineate between those different genres, the different themes, the all the contexts that are involved. Um, you'll come away with a much richer experience and understanding of Scripture than just trying to, for example, go hard line. Everything must be literal. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah and I, I, just, I think it's extremely healthy for our Bible reading, but I think it'll also be extremely healthy for our personal discipleship and our discipleship of others. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to have that broader perspective on scripture. Yeah, because it can sound attractive, the idea of, oh, I just take it as it comes and, you know, the if Bible the Bible says it, said it, it, you know, yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's a very Aussie way of approaching the world, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> it's important. And I think it's the most casual approach to scripture. I like agree. It's, yeah. And maybe even laziest yeah. would be the, the harsher way of saying it. Like, mm. um, I'd suggest that do. it's often said by people that want to elevate scripture, but it actually does the opposite. This book deserves so much honour and respect. And the least we can yep. do is try and understand the genre, yeah. who was writing it, who they were writing it to, yep. put it in some context. Without doing that, you're not honouring the word at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's really good. Um, now, we've been reading the Gospel of Luke. Mm. Uh, have you had any thoughts mm. popping out to you that you'd like to share? I did. Luke 15, mm-hmm. the uh, famous prodigal son. Uh, I, I, I wrote, It's so easy to read the parable of the prodigal son and feel disgust towards the attitude of the older brother. It's so easy to have a Johnny come lately into our world and feel completely frustrated and jealous as they're promoted honoured and recognised above us, even when it's for a kingdom purpose. Mm. So while it's easy to judge the elder brother, it's also very easy to be the elder brother. Mm. Yeah, And uh, that just really, you know, reminded me to watch that in myself. As, you know, he, the, brother, the elder brother had all the father had at his disposal mm. and he couldn't celebrate the elevation of the return of the prodigal. Yeah. And, and I think... You know, hopefully we're spiritual enough to go, yeah, if someone comes back to Christ, I'm going to celebrate no matter how messed up their life has been. Sure, but what if they actually get elevated above us? Yeah. What if we've been faithfully serving, they come along and they're more gifted and they get promoted and we don't? Yeah. Um, it's very easy to judge brother. It's also very easy to become him. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, it's funny. Hey, it's like, oh, I celebrated the first five minutes that he was here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Then he got too big for his boots. Yeah. And here's the one with the attitude problem. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And, yeah, that story, this and uh, this highlights the fact, you know, his dad turns and he says, you could have had all of this at any point. Mm. You know, it's always been yours. Mm. Yeah. Where there's sometimes, yeah, you get caught up in it all. It's funny, I've often heard people say that the, the story of the prodigal son is really the story of the the amazing father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon it's so true. Hey? It's so, yeah, just yeah. so much about the heart of God in yeah. that story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about you? So one of the passages that was standing out to me was just in um, Luke twelve thirteen to 21, the parable of the rich fool. Mm-hmm. And especially this year, this year more than ever, I've been focused on money and understanding it. Uh, and the idea of wealth and how to build it and be wise with your finances and all of that. And so, um, yeah, these have just been some good... Um, there's some 
it's a great time to be reading through the scriptures at the same time, listening to Jesus and this the way he's interacting with with people. And so uh, you've got it's sort of looking at this idea of this guy um, who he had more grain and more resources than he needed, and the, what he could even store in his barns. And so he decided to knock down his barns and build bigger barns so he could just keep hoarding it up and hoarding it up um, well beyond his need and with no desire for generosity and giving. Um, and it sort of finishes that parable um, saying, uh, and this is how it will be with everyone who stores up things for himself but is not, uh, but is not rich towards God. Sorry, I should go back a little bit. There. Uh, but God said to him, you fool, this very night uh, your life will be demanded from you you'll get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be for anyone who stores up for things for himself but is not rich towards God. Um, and this week as I was reading through that, I was sort of reading that and reading through some of these uh, other scriptures and it just brought me to this place of reverence um, before God. And don't you just love those, those scriptures that you read them and they sort of they give you a bit of a zing but it just pulls you back into him because you get this sort of zing... But then you realise, my God's good. My, mm. This is my loving Father bringing, like, not even correction, just like um, helping me not go down that path right. um, and in the first place and just that little steering back and it just draws you in and then you just draw so close to him. And that was just one of those moments for me this week um, that just always just keeps me grounded as I invest in how do I build wealth and set up my life and my family so that I can live generously um, for a long time, not just you know, one-off moments mm. of generosity and then mm. you've got nothing left again right. until you build something up um, and, you know, providing for my family and all of those things. And so been really focused in that and then when you hear him saying, this reminding me, richness towards God, that is what's important. That's what's going to make building any wealth of any worth eternally. Um, and so, yeah, that was just really standing out to me. Just make sure that as you build wealth or as you don't build wealth, just remember that richness towards God is what matters most. That's awesome. Mm. I'm not ignoring you. I'm actually writing down something you just said. <laughs> when I allow scripture to be my protection, it less often has to be my correction. Mm. Like I'd rather it protect me from mistakes than correct me out of them. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, folks, let's wait to hear that in a preach. Won't be the first time he's stolen my material. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it won't be the last either. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Richness towards God. Uh, here I am becoming the brother. <laughs> Everyone will be cheering. Oh, Caleb, great quote. No, but you made a brilliant quote out of that. Can you say that again? When I allow scripture to be my protection, it less often has to be my correction. That's a great quote, mate. Did you get that from Pinterest? <laughs> I'm not on Pinterest. <laughs> um, Zach, I don't know if you've been reading Luke recently you might be or if if you're not if you're reading something else at the moment what's something that's been standing out to you in in what you've been reading I actually just know the book of Luke off by heart by mm. now yeah of course um uh now we're actually uh in the book of Acts at the moment um yeah nice. but I am a big fan of the book of Luke because the same <laughs> bloke who wrote book of Acts mm. um and no I, I'm happy to like even just listening to you guys talk about those two different um, situations uh, that Luke addresses, um, I just like one. Yeah, Caleb sort of touched on it. Is that uh, in the the prodigal son story, we're actually seeing yeah the father should be elevated. Mm. Um, like he's obviously that picture of God, and so but the the truth of that story is is that both brothers are fools. Um, one wants to squander his inheritance, the other one doesn't realize it. Um, but God is good to the both of them in that situation. Um, he's good to the prodigal son by just open arms, welcoming him back in um, and you know, gives him the, the position of sonhood once again. Um, and then he's even good to the, the other son who doesn't realise it when he corrects him. Like it is one of those times where God had to, or the father, sorry, in the story had to correct his son um, but that correction was for his protection, uh, was to say, mate, like it's been yours the whole time. Mm. Um, but again, that just shows us that, and it, and it should uh, it should cause us to realise just how like either brother we actually are and how much we're not like the father. Um, 
in going, all right, well, even if we feel like we're not the prodigal son or maybe we might be, we think we're a little bit better than the prodigal son, the reality of it is, is we're probably not, um, we're probably not acknowledging everything that God has blessed us with and utilizing that in a way that Alex was just talking about, where we're seeing that it's, we've actually got an incredible opportunity despite our material wealth Mm. um, to bless people out of the wealth of what we have in Christ, Mm. um, which is our absolute assurance in our salvation and freedom. Um, And Mm. so are we, um, yeah, are we getting ourselves caught up in looking for the material earthly possessions because we need it to fill some sort of hole inside of us Um, or, are we so caught up in the love and goodness and freedom and majesty and mystery of who God is uh, that the material wealth no longer becomes something that we need, like we're desperate for, but actually just becomes an opportunity to bless people, bless God, um, live for others and live sacrificially like Christ mm. lived for us. Brilliant. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Preach. Um, well, it's been great having you on, Zach. Uh, always a pleasure to catch up with you and see that beard. Um, it's just goals, absolute goals. Um, but, yeah, now it's yeah really awesome, the journey that you've been going on and deep diving into your theology and just your relationship with God and really having a real richness and deepness to that. I'm sure it's been a massive blessing to the guys at Dubbo and in that campus, and I know... From whenever I chat with Mal, he's um, he's a big fan girl of yours. So yeah, you must be on something <laughs> right over there. No, it's going good. Absolutely, I, yeah. it's one of the things I love about you, Zach, is that you're very generous with your gift, and uh, anyone who has the privilege of calling your friend is blessed by it. So thank you. Keep going. You know, we need more um, teachers um, who have a passion for God, passion for His Word, but also have a passion for helping other people discover truth and. We honour you and bless you in that. Mm. Really yeah. good. Thanks for having me, and yeah, thanks for your kind words, and thank you guys for doing this. I think it's a, a great opportunity for especially people in our church, but I know beyond our church, to um, be encouraged and be inspired and be uh, led towards a, a deeper love and um, understanding of who Christ is. So yeah. thank you very much. That's good. Well, thanks for tuning into the Courageous Influence Talk Show. Uh, you can obviously follow us on Facebook and Instagram on the Generosity Church Bathurst page. Or you can go to the Generosity YouTube page or on Spotify, the Courageous Influence Talk Show. Bye for now. All right.